If you have your Bible, turn with me to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 12 through 22. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. And so David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. And so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude, multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Then David returned to bless his household, and Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And so David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord, and I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your word and for the inspiration of it. And now, Lord, we pray that it would speak to our hearts and our lives, especially in such a way that we will be challenged, that we will be changed, and that we will never get over it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are continuing with our series on uh, David, and it is about being a person after God's own heart, and it's our Lenten series, so that we're hoping that as we uh, continue in this, we reflect and we repent where we need to repent so that we will have a heart after God, a, a heart that's more like God's. And, and, and in fact, the Bible described David uh, when Paul's preaching in the New Testament, described David in this way in Acts 13, 22. It says, And when God had removed Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. And we looked at how God looks at the heart, not the outward appearance, that we get concentrated on the outward appearance or on our own outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And then we also saw how, how God um, 
fought the battle for David, that, that, that he came in against Goliath and that, that Jesus wants to fight the battle for us. He wants to be our David for the giants that are standing against us and holding us back. And then so this, this Sunday, if you haven't guessed already, we're going to talk about a, us having a dancing heart. Last week was a brave heart, today is a dancing heart. And that is what I pray that we can have. See, David was also a dancer. We find out that he danced before the Lord. It, it was whenever uh, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom had now combined and there was unity. And he, he heard that the Ark of the Covenant was at Obed-Edom and that it was blessing the house of Obed-Edom in, in a mighty way. And so then David... Uh, decides, he says, y'all, he sends for the ark. And when the ark comes in, they strike up the music and they have a great big party. And David strips down to his ephod. Now, ephod, the best way I know to describe it is kind of like men's tidy whitey underwear with a cummerbund. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It was just kind of like a, like a cloth diaper with something else. But anyway... Not that I want y'all to have that image right now. But anyway, but, but he strips down to that and he goes to dancing and whirling and praising God in that way. Look at what it says there in chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. So it wasn't just a little shuffle that he was doing, all right? He was dancing with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod, so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of trumpet. And I, I want us to see uh, this morning that God wants us to have a dancing heart. He wants us to have a heart of joy and dancing. And, and so I want to talk about that for a few minutes this morning. What makes up a dancing heart? And what can we learn from David about having a dancing heart? Number one is this. A dancing heart, first of all, is full of the presence of God. A dancing heart is full of the presence of God. The presence of God is, is what... David was dancing before. He was dancing in the midst of the presence. Now, the presence of God in those days was seen through uh, the lens of the Ark of the Covenant. It was like where they believed that the tangible presence, that's how you could be closest to the presence of God, was because of the Ark of the Covenant. And if you wonder what the Ark of the Covenant was, uh, maybe you saw that old movie, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That was a, uh, a depiction of the Ark being found and everything. And we're still not sure where the ark ended up being. And, and uh, uh, most likely, they think, scholars think it's probably somewhere in Egypt like the movie portrayed. But anyway, but at that time, the ark of the covenant had been in Obed-Edom. Now, if you go back, you can see the power of the ark because Uzzah accidentally touches the ark. Before that, I mean, they had special poles that they, would, that they would carry the ark on so that nobody would touch it. And Uzzah accidentally touches the ark, and when he does, he falls out dead. So that's how powerful the ark was. If you go on back several in the first Samuel, you'll find out that the ark of the covenant was stolen by the Philistines. And the Philistines steal the Ark of the Covenant and they put the Ark in their worship center. And before the, the uh, idol, their main idol was Dagon. I like to call him Dagon. But anyway, uh, uh, Dagon was in there and, and they, put, they put the Ark before Dagon and they come back in the next morning and the statue had fallen over 
right there before the ark, almost like it was bound to the ark. And so they put them back up, and they put the ark right there, and they didn't want that. They kind of put it level there with it. And the next morning, they come back in. Not only has the statue fallen over, but look what it says there. It says, but the following morning when they rose, there was Dagon falling on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. His head and his hands had been broken off and were lying on the threshold. Only his body remained. And what I want us to see this morning that in the presence of God, it doesn't matter what kind of idol, what kind of addiction, what kind of sadness, whatever it is, it cannot stand in the presence of Almighty God. Amen? It cannot. And so we see the power of the Ark of the Covenant. Not only that, but the Philistines all got these things called emrods. Now, some scholars call them tumors. Some of the translations use tumors. Some other scholars actually believe that they were hemorrhoids that they all came up with. And, and so the Philistines were like, we got to get rid of this thing. I mean, you know what I'm saying. They sent it back with some cow, on some cows. But anyway, but, but, but they didn't keep it very long. But, the, but David is dancing before the Lord in the presence of God. And where God's presence is, and I, I believe that's what we feel every Sunday morning here in this place. That's why I know that strongholds are broken because of the presence of God. Number two is this. A dancing heart is a heart that is full of joy. It's a heart that's full of joy. It's a joyful heart. David danced because his heart was joyful. He had, the kingdoms had combined together. There was unity, and he got happy in the Lord. I tell you, I love to see people just get happy in the Lord, to get happy in the presence of God. You may see me sometimes. I just can't hold it in no longer, and I got to dance a little or do a jig or whatever. And, and, but here's the thing is that, that David felt the joy, and because of that, he had the dance. Psalm 30, verse 11 says this, You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. And folks, I don't know about you, there has been enough mourning, there has been enough, there has been enough sadness, there has been enough bad news in this world today. I think it's time to turn it around and ask God for the spirit of joy to be our strength. Amen? And for a heart full of joy. Amen? Amen. And a dancing heart is a heart that's full of joy. Number three is this. A dancing heart does not worry about what others think. A dancing heart does not worry about what others think. David obviously was not worried about what others thought. He was, I mean, he was dancing, gyrating, whatever you want to call it, all over the place there. And he was not worried. But look, his wife gets embarrassed. And which I, I, I'm sure there's been times when I danced that probably embarrassed my wife. But anyway, and, and, um, but, but his wife is embarrassed, embarrassed. And when he comes home, look at what she says to him now. And this is sarcasm in the Bible. Yes, there is sarcasm in the Bible. Listen to what she says. Uh, look at what happens, verse 20. Then David returned to bless his household, and Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, 
How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Somebody actually Googled base fellows for us and found out what that was, and that was a street dancer in those days. So she was like, you're, you, you, you're just like the street dancers. You're, I mean, she was saying, this is embarrassing. I cannot believe the king of Israel is out there dancing like that. And then I love what David, how David answers her in verse 21 and 22. Listen to what he says. So David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. He says, Therefore I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this. In other words, he said, you think I was crazy then? I, I'm going to play music and I'm going to be even more undignified than this. And, and, and folks, we need to, when we worship, we don't need to worry about what some... We are worshiping. We, God is our audience. Amen? We're not... The, the band and the singers, they're singing to God. They're helping you sing to God. We're not performing. We're singing to God. And, 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 and so God's our audience. And so just let, just don't worry about what the person beside you is going to think if they hear your voice or if they, if they see you raise your hand. And I want a freedom in worship. I want a freedom in worship. If you, if you feel led to, to uh, worship with closed hands and, and, and in a solemn way like that, praise the Lord. But if you feel, if you feel led to lift your hands and, and praise them like that, then I want there to be a freedom that whatever way, let me tell you something, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, amen? And I believe we can have that liberty, amen? And last is this, a dancing heart praises God for life. It praises God for life, the life that He gives us and the life that He has promised us. And, you know, I think somewhere along the line, there, there, there was this lie from the devil that came across and said that Christians can't have any fun or that Christians can't dance and do things that are joyful. I, I've said it before. Some, some Christians think we're baptized in lemon juice. And that, that's not true. And we're, we're baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so it's, we, we should, we're alive and we're celebrating life. And one way to celebrate life is the dance. Now, some of y'all may remember that movie. Uh, they made a remake of it. It won't half as good. But anyway, the, that, that movie back in the 80s that was made, and it was called Footloose. Some of you have been to see um, uh, the play that they had at Thales lately. But anyway, Footloose, if you remember, it was this town, and they had come up with this rule that there was no dancing. The preacher there, the pastor there, the main pastor there, had power over the town council. I mean, now that don't happen anymore. But anyway, but, but, uh, but, but the, the pastor had a lot of power over the town council and they had this law, this ordinance that there was no dancing. And, and this new kid, Ren, he comes and, and he loves to dance and, and he sees this town needs life again. He sees that it needs to dance again. And so, so I want you to watch if, uh, just this part whenever he speaks to the town board, to the town council about it. Check it out. Well, I just, I, I just wanted to say a few words about this motion so that uh, you, you wouldn't think that we were encouraging destruction with this 
idea. From the oldest of times, people danced for a number of reasons. They danced in prayer, or so that their crops would be plentiful, or so their hunt would be good. And they danced to stay physically fit and show their community spirit. And they danced to celebrate. And that, that is the dancing that we're talking about. Yeah. Aren't we told in, in Psalm 149, praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song. Let them praise his name in the dance. Amen. Amen. And it was King David. King David, who, who we read about in, in Samuel. And, and, and what did David do? What did David do? What did David do? David <laughs> danced before the Lord with all his might. Leaping, leaping and dancing before the Lord. Leaping and dancing. Ecclesiastes assures us that there is a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to laugh and a time to weep. A time to mourn. And there is a time to dance. There was a time for this law, but not anymore. See, this is our time to dance. It is our way of, of celebrating life. It's the way it was in the beginning. It's the way it's always been. It's the way it should be now. That song that we sang and danced to a while ago was written in the 60s by a guy by the name of Sidney Carter. And he wrote it, and if you notice, this is the full gospel message. From Jesus calling his disciples to healing, to dying on a cross, and then rising again with victory. And he related all of that, that life that Jesus gives, he related it and explained it as a dance. What I pray this morning is that we will learn to celebrate the life that God gives us with a dancing heart. John Orberg, who's written a lot of Christian books and all, told about he went and did a wedding one time, and of course at the reception afterwards they were having different ones dance and the couples dance and all. And, um, and then during that dance, uh, he said that they did this thing and they said, everybody that's uh, been married 20 years or less, sit down. And so some of them sat down. 30 years or less, sit down. 10, uh, uh, 50 years or less, sit down. And there was one couple that was left. 
And he walked out there after they finished dancing, and he asked the guy, he said, how long have you been married? And they said, uh, he said, 61 years. Been married 61 years. He said, well, I've got to ask you, what's the secret? What's the secret to it? And uh, the guy said, well, I did a lot of traveling. I was away a lot. He said, but me and my wife always made time to dance. Folks, I don't know where your relationship is with God this morning, but wherever it is, make time to dance. Make time to dance. Maybe you're here this morning and you've had plenty of grief, plenty of sadness, plenty of mourning, and you just need it to be a, a time for, for God to, to, to just give you a heart of joy to trade that sadness, to trade that morning for dancing. I pray that that will happen this morning and that we will all have the dancing heart that we need. Let us pray. Lord, this morning in this place, Lord, if there's anybody here that just doesn't have a reason to dance this morning, God, Lord, I pray that right now where you are, right where they are, that you will give them the reason, that you'll give them the meaning, that you will give them what they need in their heart right now to dance again. Lord, I pray right now, God, that you will move in us and give us a dancing heart, a heart of joy, a heart of love, and a heart full of praise for the life that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.